live from the School of Communication and Media on the campus of Montclair State University. In association with 90.3 WMSC, the Montclairian, and the Center for Cooperative Media, this is the MSU Newsroom. You are listening to MSU Newsroom at here, 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair, New Jersey. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. It is hashtag MeToo, MSU Newsroom, and the, as we all know, on Sunday, the biggest award ceremony in Hollywood is coming up. We expect the Me Too and Time's Up movement conversation to lead interviews and speeches at the ceremony and social media during this day with high visibility around the world. And lots of ratings for the Oscars have reached its all-time low. Nine-year low update uh, went down 32.9 million to the number, 32.9 million. Um, last year, the, near, uh, the final numbers for last for the Oscars last year was the 89th Academy Awards, uh, down from last year significantly from the 2016 Oscars. Last year's Oscars of 2017 drew 32.9 million viewers with a 9.1 rating among adults uh, ages 18 through 49. Jimmy Kimmel hosted the Oscars last year and he is hosting on Sunday night as well. And last year's were down 4% in viewership and 13% among adults 18 through 49 from what the 88th Academy Awards ended up. And just as those numbers have fallen, uh, 2016, of course, was hosted by none other than Chris Rock. And that was his uh, second frontman stint for Hollywood's Biggest Night. The 2016 Oscars had a total audience of 34.4 million and a 10.5 demo result. Um, and then the pattern of the several years, uh, the downward movement for the Oscars, um, 2016 was an 8% decline from the 2015 show in overall sets of eyeballs watching and just over a 4% um, in ages 18 through 49 drop. And we're interested in seeing what is going to happen this Sunday as well. But the biggest question is whether this prevalent movement will make a difference in the way the Academy members vote. Will we see more women in categories generally awarded to men? Will women take the lead in taking traditionally male categories will this result in studios supporting women and funding women's projects to change the conversation but this is where it all began um in october of 2017 a hashtag me too it started to prevent harassment and misconduct in the workplace then of course the harvey weinstein allegations came about and from there uh, civil rights activist uh, Tarana Burke, she used it first, actually. And then Alyssa Milano made it popular on Twitter with her tweet, quote, if all women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote hashtag me too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem. This was then posted online for millions of millions of times over through Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And actresses such as Uma Thurman, Jennifer Lawrence, Gwyneth Paltrow, they shared this as well. And in the studio, I have Montclairian members, uh, Lucia, I have Haral from the Montclairian, I have Tina, and I have Rob Rob from the Montclairian with me today for this 
very important topic and issue that on Sunday I'm very excited to see. Uh, we will here at WMSC News will be doing live tweets for the Oscars, and we have it divided by hour among our newscasters. But for those of you um, interested in the Oscars, uh, Rob, I know that you are a ver- movie goer, movie person, yeah, and will like be definitely thing. watching. So in light of the Academy Awards and this movement, we're going to, of course, go into Harvey Weinstein and his allegations in a minute. But I want to ask you, when you first saw that such, a, that such a powerful man in the industry, that these allegations came about, and for the actresses, how did you feel? I thought it was interesting because um, for years... We've heard jokes about Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Family Guy makes a lot of them. And it's just interesting to hear that these things that have been spoken about in whispers for so long are finally having full voices and being heard. And Mm -hmm. I just think it just um, points to a shift in our society where it seems as though things are actually about to change, which I think is really hopeful, actually. Yeah, and um, just just to give a quick rundown here of the amount of men, um, well, I should say people who used this position and abused it, uh, their position of power, Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, Kevin Spacey, Ryan Seacrest, actually, Aziz Ansari, James Franco, Dustin Hoffman, Brett Ratner, Louis, Louis C.K., um, Jeremy Piven, Stephen Siegel, Jeffrey Tambor, and Senator Al Franken. So not just in the film industry, across the board. Right. It's a widespread issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And with Harvey Weinstein being the kickoff of this, so many actresses coming forward, being afraid of losing their jobs if they didn't. Uh, partake in this. I do want to hear um, from some of the from some of the other people in the room right now. Of if you are a woman in the industry and you work hard for your career and you constantly day by day by day go through this, what are you? What would your thoughts be if you had to face that in the workplace? I think it would be very discouraging after working so hard to realize that really you're uh, you're being faced with a pro- it's a it's a double side problem because you might be you might encounter the situation where this happens while you're trying to let's say move up in the world and someone presents you with this you know put you in a hard situation not saying okay you can do this and get what you want and you've worked so hard to get here where and that can be sorry yeah no i understand it it's it can be it can be uh, nervous, like nerve wracking, terrifying. And you, you work hard, you know, and for us, for us women and even men, this is I want I do want to point out that women are not the only ones. Absolutely. Is it not as common? Sure. But we're not the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at Terry Crews, he um, he's made a lot of headlines for actually going up against um, being harassed by one of the male higher ups in Hollywood. So it's not just females. And I think that the fact that he is um so publicly sharing his experience, I think that that helps a lot to uh, bust down the stigma that this is only females. And while, of course, it's mostly females, mm-hmm. it's not 100%. I think it's important to remember that, that men can get sexually harassed and assaulted as well. Yeah, and I'm looking at a um, one of our sources here, uh, NBC News. Thank you for this. We have tons of the list, you know, the little cursor in the, on, the, on the right side, guys, when yeah. you're scrolling through a website. The list is too long to read. But Kevin Spacey uh, is one of them. So this movement has put people out of their jobs. It has put people, uh, rightfully so, out of their jobs. Matt Lauer. Yeah, it's 
it's crazy. Um, and also, it, it's just a shame that it, it took so long mm-hmm. for people to feel comfortable to come out and speak out against these people. But it, again, like Kate said, it is deserved, you know, that because why, why do they get to continue, you know, just acting the way that they do? Mm-hmm. So... It's interesting that it took, in some cases, it's been going on for 20, 30 years, and just now people are feeling comfortable and secure enough to actually come forward and share their stories. And, and, yeah, no, yeah, that, and I'm sure that, you know, they they th- probably thought they were by themselves. That's what I'm assuming, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, you yeah. know, one person starts coming out, and then they're like, wait, that happened to me too with that same exact person, and then that encourages them to speak out about it too. No, absolutely. So... Absolutely. One of the things that I also do want to point out as far as the Oscars are concerned, and as we go on in the show, we are going to play a a piece, actually, that Tina here put together, a very emotional piece of a student who on this campus survived a um, a date issue, and that was very, it's going to go on air, of course, a little bit later on in the show. We're also going to talk about uh, students here, just in their thoughts about the movement as well. But I do want to point out in regards to the Oscars while we're on that subject, is Rachel Morrison became the first and only woman to ever be nominated for Best Cinematography for her work in Mud Bound. And that is also going to, uh, there's another um, African-American woman, the second one, uh, Mudbound director Dee Reese, she's going to be the second African-American woman to receive a screenwriting nomination after Suzanne DePasse for Lady Sings the Blues in 1972. It's crazy that it's been since 1972 that a, female has been nominated in that category and the Mm. interesting thing about mudbound is you can watch it right now on netflix since it's a netflix original and um and that's also netflix's first uh (laughs) step into the oscar season Uh, but when i watched mudbound i felt like the most um powerful elements of it were actually the screenplay as well as the cinematography so i'm excited to see it's getting um recognition in those areas because it's so clearly deserved and also in in the category of women being nominated and things like that. And then after this, we won't be mentioning the Oscars as much. But Greta Gerwig broke records. Yeah. She also is the first female director to land a Best Director nomination for her directorial debut with Lady Bird. She's also become just the fifth woman to be nominated for Best Director in the history of the Oscars. That's 89 years, guys. This is according to E! Online. 89 years. And in those years, it's only been won by one female, by Catherine Bigelow for um, The Hurt Locker in, I believe, 2010. It's been 89 years, and that's the only time we feel as though a woman has done a better job at directing than a man. Right. That, to me, is a little bit crazy. But do we feel, with all of these crazy stats and just thinking, oh, one more thing before I go on that tangent real quick. Um, The second time in Oscar history that three women are nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Um, Greta Gerwig in Lady Bird, Emily V. Gordon with uh, Kumail Nanjiani in The Big Sick, and Vanessa Taylor with uh, Guillermo del Toro in The Shape of Water. Do we feel that this movement has contributed to these extra nominations? And that is the question that I think that we here at least the WMSC are going to be uh, looking into especially on Sunday do you what do you guys think about that I think it has definitely contributed as as a woman I don't really like to get things when I asked for them it would have been Mm -hmm. nice to receive some recognition before this whole scandal 
unleashed. Yeah. But it's definitely opened some eyes to how the industry works and how, you know, women continue to be sort I don't want to say the minority, but they continue to be in maybe not positions of power as opposed to not so often as you know, compared to men. Yeah. And so it's nice to see a change for I totally know. agree. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that we had to wait for a movement like this to come to actually make some serious waves. But since yeah. the waves have already been made and it's happening, I guess we should just be grateful that something has changed. Yes, absolutely. And it's not only just nominations. The musical performances at the Oscars over the past few years have really made waves. Lady Gaga performed in 2016 when back when Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars. Um, Until It Happens to You, and I was talking about that on my show, that that song would be very much more appropriate at this Oscars. Oh, certainly. And maybe she'll make a comeback. I don't think so. But, I mean, you don't know. what. And Jimmy Kimmel, of course, he's hosting again this year. He's going to be – this is going to come up. Yeah, I actually um, saw a report from the Huffington Post published this morning that said um, Kimmel will not be addressing Me Too in his monologue. He won't. Which okay. I think is interesting. I guess he wants to kind of – like steer clear of that. Does he want to like sweep? Oh, I don't. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel will be the kind of guy that would sweep it under the rug on purpose. That's true. I feel like uh, he's probably leaving it to um, some of the winners and for their acceptance speeches and stuff for them to speak about their own personal uh, struggles and journey with it, rather than him making generalizations. So I think it's interesting. Maybe he yeah. feels like he's not an expert. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, probably right. Especially as a straight white male. You know what I mean? Exactly. Do we so, really want him to come and mansplain all of this to us at the beginning? Like, yeah. Probably not for the best. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to watch. As am I. But speaking of reactions from uh, people and in their own words, we when we come back from the quick break here on MSU Newsroom, going to hear from some students and their reactions to the Me Too movement and what they think about it. Um, most of them include media students, uh, Georgia Salvin from the Montclairian, and of course um, Molly Jenkins and Madison Glassman as well are going to give us their opinions on hashtag Me Too when we come back after this. We are back with MSU Newsroom on 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair, New Jersey, and I took some uh, interviews, quick, uh, I should say, sound bites of students yesterday talking about the hashtag MeToo movement and a little bit of what they were explaining to me before and after the interviews was about the Oscars. But I do want to play what their thoughts are on the movement. This is many people from the media school here at Montclair State University. So this is student reactions to hashtag MeToo. Take a listen. I think the MeToo movement is a great thing. It's a great way to start change and having all these women come forward and telling the stories. It allows other victims who have been in this mess to come forward as well and be strong and not be ashamed of what they have gone through. So when the Me Too movement first started coming about on Twitter and Facebook, I think it was really great that these women felt compelled to come out and tell their stories and felt comfortable enough. I think the conversation starting to open up more and more and more women or just people in general are coming out and feeling more comfortable to share their stories, which therefore empowers others to come out and tell their stories. It's kind of like a domino effect. But another thing with the Me Too movement is it's really important to remember that a lot of people don't feel comfortable yet coming out and you know telling their story so just because someone hasn't come out and said hashtag me too doesn't mean that it hasn't happened to them or 
or they should be shunned in any way for not coming out and saying me too. So it's just important to remember that factor also, but I do think it's great that the conversation is becoming more comfortable. My thoughts on the Me Too movement, I think women who have gone through some kind of sexual harassment or assault really should speak out. Um, I was actually uh, harassed myself when I was in sixth grade. Um, there was this kid that I was, I had a crush on, and we, like, I called him my boyfriend for a while, and uh, we were going home on a, from a field trip, and, uh, and uh, he decided to give me a back rub, but it ended up being him touching me um, on my chest and on my butt. Uh, and it ended up being that my parents, um, I told my parents, and then they told the principal, and the principal disciplined him uh, and suspended him for a week. Um, so it was it was like a bit traumatizing, you know, in, in a way that I didn't like being around a lot of guys anymore. Um, I kind of stopped talking to most guys in general that I thought were, like, had a strong sexual presence. I, I don't know how to describe it really, um, but uh, I was afraid to speak out about it for a while. Um, but every once in a while when I hear people talking about their stories and experiences about sexual harassment and assault, I kind of feel like um, I can't fully, I don't want to say I fully understand what they're going through because every situation is different. Right. My opinion on the Me Too movement is that I think it's a great thing that all these women are coming together, taking a stand and saying, like, this is not okay, and that everyone in this country, even in the world, are like, I've been through this too. But also there's another side of it. It's like you're saying all like, oh, Me Too, Me Too, all these movements with the white rose and everything and all these um, award shows, but then now what? That's just kind of my opinion on it. It's like we have all of this movement going on, but it's like we also need to take action and call Congress and try and take an actual stand and make a change. Wow. That was um, student reactions to the Me Too movement that a lot of them are media students here. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Whoever wants to go. <laughs> yeah, I'll start. Yeah. Um, I, just, I think it's just so powerful, and I think that it's so important for all of their voices to be heard, and I'm grateful that they spoke with you and we're willing to go on the record and share their experiences, especially Georgia. And I, it's just so important to remember that while a lot of these instances do include um, rape, it's not solely rape. Um, sexual assault and sexual harassment, there are these wide categories that many actions and uh, things of that nature, they fall into there. So it's not always just one, it's not one thing, it's many, many facets to this issue. And I think it's important that we remember that. I 100% agree, you know, um, it's just the fact that like people, you know, no means no. Exactly. That That's exactly what should happen. You know what I mean? If somebody says no, no, I don't want this. I didn't give you my consent. If they don't give you your consent, then you should not be touching them or like harassing them or certainly. assaulting them. And, you know, that affects people. Oh, it certainly so. does. And these things like this leave lasting scars on these people and i mean in a sense they're they're survivors and this is something that they will be part of them for the rest of their life and i think it's important to remember that yeah i think it requires a lot of adapting and learning from people who haven't gone through this 
because I personally used to think uh, when I started seeing this, I used to think of all the women, they are so brave that this is a great movement. And then I would see once in a while someone tell their story and it was more, you know, like I, I don't like to say that there's levels to it, but it would be a lot less impacting. And I'm sort of like, why are you, why are you saying that you were harassed when really like someone just, you know, kind of creeped you out, but nothing really happened to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're kind of discrediting everyone's, everyone else's stories. But we need to understand that, uh, the survivors don't really owe you their story. So it's, it's kind of whatever you feel about it. It's, you know, if you feel like you were harassed, that's enough for you to, you know, come forward. Yeah, only if you're comfortable, though, of course. Exactly. We're not demanding that everybody come forward, but it gives an opportunity for people who feel voiceless to let their voices finally be heard. Absolutely. Uh, but like yeah. Madison was saying, too, um, you know, it's imp- like not everybody is ready. So it's mm-hmm. important to be there for them, too, if they want to be in silence as yeah, well. Yeah, Absolutely. We don't want to force anybody to say anything. Mm-hmm. And Tina, you actually had the opportunity. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you introduce the piece, that the project that you were part of in regarding this movement. Sure. So uh, last semester, me and fellow student journalists created a website, a multimedia website called No Means No, uh, in light of the Harvey Weinstein and hashtag Me Too movement. And so the piece that I made, I interviewed a journalist, Um, a student here at Montclair State. Her name's Eden Joseph. You know, she contacted me after I put something on Facebook saying, hey, if anybody wants to share their story, I would love to document it. Um, And she was like, yes, I want to share my story so I can, you know, make sure other people are okay. And I think this will help everyone that has suffered through sexual assault and, yeah. We are going to play that piece for you right now. I was 15 in my freshman year. I knew this guy for maybe a year. I said, what's this? And he said it was some sort of, I guess, like alcoholic thing. And I figured, whatever, it's like a small bit of alcohol. Like, it's not going to do anything. And I asked him, well, why aren't you having any? And he goes, oh, like, we had some before, you know, everything's fine. The last thing I remember was singing along to thrift shop and then going like this with my hand and seeing my hand kind of, like, go like that and thinking, I'm really tired. Like, I don't know why I'm so tired. I woke up the next morning in my bed and my friend tells me, oh, yeah, you and -and so-and-so had sex last night. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I was a virgin. He just date raped me. She kind of didn't want to believe it because I, I honestly think they, like, either made her keep quiet or they might have done something to her too. But, like, I, I, I didn't talk to her after that. I have dreams of, like, this happening to me. I have dreams of him raping me. I didn't tell anyone because I thought I would get in trouble. And... I didn't tell anyone for about two years. The only people I told were, I told the girls that he was talking to. I would tell them like, listen, like you have to be careful around him. Something happened to me. I feel scared sometimes. I just, I feel like I can't trust a lot of people, especially men. And I feel bad that I can't trust other people because I know not all people are like that. 
with the Harvey Weinstein thing, the, I feel like it's a problem because women didn't come forward as soon as it happened. And I don't want to blame anyone for that because I didn't do that. It's, it's scary. You think that people are going to tell you you're lying. People are going to be in disbelief. And um, you should always come forward. You should always say, this happened to me. This is wrong. You have to just say, I was through it and I survived. You know, I'm a survivor and I'm going to go forth and help other people survive. Thank you, Tina, for doing that amazing piece. Um, Thank how you. How was that for you, interviewing and hearing that story for yourself? That was heart-wrenching, and I just felt for her in the moment, and I was so surprised at how comfortable she was sharing mm-hmm. because, you know, nobody should have to go through something like that. And But, yeah, I'm just I'm so grateful grateful that she shared her story with me and the rest of the world honestly to you know speak up about the movement and say you know this happened and it shouldn't happen you know and I am for myself I'll I'll speak for myself that I actually for my story I can only say in private I'm not allowed to say it on air um so that's like kind of the struggle is I'm, I'm glad that a lot of people do have the freedom to express that through certain things. I was part of the project myself. One of the um, one of the TV students did interview me and I, it is out there um, for people to listen to. But just for my own sake, I am not ready to say that on air. But yeah, it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's yeah, it shapes does shape the rest of your life. But as she said, you know, how how can you get revenge and the best one is to just live your life. Yeah. Thank you so much for that beautiful piece, Tina. When we come back here on MSU Newsroom, a little bit more of the Oscar predictions, um, but more predictions of what this impact is on women in that industry. From behind the screen, Professor Susan Skoog, interview done by Haral Patel, who is also joining us in the studio right now. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this. We are back here with MSU Newsroom on WMSC, and I had the pleasure of attending the behind-the-screen movie event with Rob, actually, here yeah, uh, from the Montclairian. Um, we interviewed Patrick Wilson. Craziest, most famous person I've ever met, so that was insane. <laughs> that was, that's, it was awesome. We had such a great time. So but nice. part of that day also, um, I don't know if you were there for it, was the um, Me Too panel that was at the very, very, very end of the night, and... I had the opportunity to talk to lots of people in the in the film industry from it. And, of course, Professor Susan Skoog here at Montclair, she was part of the moderation for this entire panel, the hashtag MeToo panel. So we are going to play that for you here on MSU Newsroom. This is the MeToo panel discussion. I was just curious with this entire hashtag MeToo movement, and it's really moved a lot of women to speak out against sexual harassment, things like that, and a lot of students here have been part of pieces and things like that. So just back to the roots, why do you think it's hard for women to speak up in the first place? I mean, I just from my own experience in life and in professional, because I'm an employment attorney. Yeah. It's this fear of um, being either blacklisted, um, not being believed, um, or having to go through this—you know, what, whatever horrible experience was felt, you know, felt the first time, 
I mean, say, you know, akin to a raper. It's like going through that whole thing all over again because I know, at least whether it's in the media, people are not going to believe you. You have to constantly, you have to, it's like you're the victim and you've got to constantly prove what you've got to, or if it's a, um, a court matter, you're going to be the one that they'll just rip you to pieces and you're a constant, like, it's like you're in the defensive instead of being on the offense. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's a pretty chilling effect. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, it's the fear of not being believed, but also not wanting to be a victim. Yeah. I think, you know, for those who are like, I think we were talking about um, one of the films, the actor. I think, I mean, it's a lot of things she could have done. And I think she was just trying to, as I was saying, like trying to get through and do her job. And it's like, and even when he tried to make her feel less, she still wanted to get through. And she was like, I'm not going to be a victim. I don't like the situation. It's a tough situation. And I think sometimes when you share it, you know, sometimes the question comes back, why didn't you do such and such? Why didn't you do this? And so um, sharing that is kind of like you just kind of want to take care of it and be strong sometimes. So you don't want to share that because it, didn't, it happened to me. And I think what we talked about, why did it, why is it widespread now, is because people are realizing it's a lot of folks out there, and it's a lot of people were sharing it, and now we can, as a collective voice, do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think that the, you don't want to be a troublemaker. You're raised to be nice, nice yeah. young girls, you know, growing up, be nice, don't make trouble. And because of so many things in the pre-women's movement way back in the 70s in the women's movement of how women are perceived in the workplace and 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 all of that and I think that that has shut us down for a very long time as we're trying to make our way so that we don't make trouble you know we have all these things that are about well there's mansplaining and don't be the only woman in an all-male meeting and you know you won't get heard mm -hmm. and, and and there's a lot of validity in that and and when you put it all together I think it keeps women playing their cards much closer to their best, as they say, and, and trying to go along and get along and make their way without calling undue attention to things yeah. so that they look like a team player. And I think we have to be there for each other as women. And if we don't feel that another woman is going to believe us, mm -hmm or won't protect us because she's got her own agenda, mm -hmm. then we're going to close up. And it struck me when um, one of the actresses that was mentioned in the introduction to our panel yeah. as a Weinstein case, I know personally mm -hmm. that she was on another film set with a very famous director, and he demanded, he and the lead actor demanded that she do the scene without her underwear and she was very uncomfortable with that and it wasn't in the contract yeah. and a lot. she came to somebody I know another actress and said this is what's happening I hate this I'm going to quit and the other actress said you can't quit mm. because yeah. your name is going to be blackballed yeah I understand what happened, just go through it, you go to work the next day with a new attitude. And it's not that either of these women were bad women. Yeah. It was the culture, I think, it's of the culture. time. This was um, a 1990s film, it was a very famous film. And, um, and I actually saw the actress that was mentioned, I saw that New York Times piece on her and um, how much she's just gone through a lot. And that, 
that incident wasn't even mentioned. Everything else was mentioned, the Weinstein stuff. I feel bad for her because I know that story and this story, and I know that she did reach out, but because both of them felt like they wouldn't work again if they went against that particular male director. And these are women in their 40s. Yeah. You know, so it was really hard. And I think something great that you brought up is about the enablers, mm -hmm. because I think, you know, it's not just a person that's happening to, it's in the environment. And um, I was trying to think about how to tell the story, but I know, like, several times I have been the person who has spoken up for someone else, and I've been called a C-blocker. You're blocking. You're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, wait a minute. She hasn't had anything. To, you're just giving her drinks. I've done that personally on on jobs. And I was with a company one time where one of the guys said they make it really easy. It was, it was I was working for a tech company. It was 80% male, and you would just kind of see, you know, people who are working outside the office together. And it was like it makes it really easy for people to get together or a boss. Uh, using his power over a woman. And I would be like, wait a minute, you're drinking. Come on, we don't need to do this at work. Mm -hmm. And I've had guys say, you're blocking. Why are you blocking? <laughs> and so, so it is hard also to be that person to speak out, but we have to do it. You have, you have to do it, you know. It should be, as far as listening, which is a skill, it's something that needs to be practiced. And I think we need to be open to a lot of different opinions. So um, I had mentioned to a friend on Facebook that I might be the unpopular one today <laughs> because I see uh, this whole issue from various angles, and I, you know, I, I could champion Me Too and say, and this is what we need to do because we're victims and they're us and them, us and them. But I really stand on where's my responsibility in this and how can I empower other young women as far as their responsibility. But sometimes I walk into a conversation and I'm completely shut down. And then therefore I can't discuss what the big picture is. The big picture might help us in court later. But if you're not willing to hear, and then it's this and that, and then maybe I'm not listening because you're not listening, <laughs> you know, we go nowhere. So I think we need to be definitely open to hearing all opinions from women and men. There are so many men who want to support uh, equality and a safe space. They want to provide the safe space and... Um, that's hard for them to do if they're shut down as well, just because they're male. So <laughs> listening is a very important skill. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say I think the conversation is about the listening because we're not really listening to each other. I mean, I, in the news or in the public, the men are jumping in trying to say things to either exonerate themselves because they were enablers or to say they didn't do it or to, you know, they're all we're all talking so fast and trying to, that we're not thinking and we're not, br just breathe and listen to each other's experience around the topic um, because that's how we learn how to relate to one another, you know, um, it's not easy. Nobody wants to be the one that has to be quiet enough to listen and then have to go consider. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I've thought about this in the wrong way. Um, so it starts with looking at each other with respect and saying, let's talk 
I will talk, you listen, you talk, I listen, and then we may have to go away and process and come back and talk again. It's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. I think that's a good question, really, because um, with listening, I think, uh, especially with tough situations and tough things, we try to kind of explain it away. And um, I've been in that situation where someone's trying to like explain this, like you're trying to make it better because it's such a difficult thing to hear. And so you're right, you have to really be open to um, others' opinions and let people explain so you can actually hear what they're saying and you can have a conversation around it instead, instead of explaining it away. I think that's the biggest thing, not explaining it away. Actually give that person a platform so they can say, this is what it is. And un understand also that all of us have different experiences and different ways we take things in and you have to sympathize, empathize with someone else and it takes that stepping back to hear what they're really saying. Yeah. And to add, I guess from the legal perspective, you know, those who would be cooperative, you know, who say, well, I witnessed this, are often afraid to come forward because they're afraid of what's going to happen to them if they cooperate and say, yeah, I saw this. And um, at least in New Jersey, there are legal protections for them under a whistleblower statute, which doesn't mean you necessarily have to be the one blowing the whistle, mm -hmm. but if you cooperate in an investigation or in a court proceeding, you're protected from retaliation. Um, that doesn't, I don't think that exists under New York one. I don't know about California. Um, but that's one thing that sh people should be comfortable about. And there's all, I mean, maybe in a, in a lesser extent, a lot of times whether it's an, an employment agreement or even a job application, people were signing away their rights to be able to go to court and they're being in, um, forced to go into these forced secret arbitrations if they have a legal claim to make. Mm -hmm. And then nobody's going to find out about it, no matter what the result is. And that we're working on trying to get those outlawed in New Jersey. Not that you can arbitrate, but at least that you shouldn't be forced into that. Mm -hmm. You know, so that there would be at least the permission, at least to go to an open court proceeding, which may, you know, get some of these people or the companies afraid to try to muzzle you. Mm -hmm. Catherine had mentioned including information in the MFA program and all that. Is that how is incorporating that into like the, the, the film schools and all that uh, going to help down the line, at least before even people go out into the field? Well, knowledge is power, isn't it? And um, the other uh, forewarned is forearmed. I mean, we, we want to empower those of you who are much younger <laughs> to not have to enter the world we had to live through. I mean, everybody wants the next generation to have a better time of it or have an easier time in certain areas. You're gonna have your own set of stuff to deal with, you know? Um, if, if the legacy we can leave is that we've left you information about how to talk about it, how to listen about it, how to maybe make things better. So putting it into these programs so that it's not mystique, so that you know young people don't walk into the workplace and go, whoa, I wasn't prepared for this. Hopefully we prepare you and then you walk in and since everyone's prepared, it doesn't happen anymore in a certain way. But I think that's all you can do is educate. Educate people, um, men and women, what are the boundaries? How do we work it? How do we listen to each other? And so putting those things into these schools and into the, 
sends people out into the workplace prepared and, and a little bit more, um, uh, they can take agency for their own, their own choices in a different way. And hopefully that's what's going to happen. I think it's very important to be down talking to students and, and young people. And even, you know, how mothers and fathers raise their boys and, and girls, what they teach them, the values they teach them. It's crucial. That's where change comes. And there probably can't be enough media law classes and business management classes in media. I think there's only one, really, that get students get to um, attend, possibly an undergrad. And I don't remember a thing I learned in undergrad. So <laughs> if that were you know, a graduate school requirement, I know I'd be working on a project or on a case you know, where I'd have to flesh those ideas out, debate a bit about it. So um, I'm for that. <laughs> and that was the panel, the Me Too panel. One of the things I really appreciated that they talked about was the way that we raise our children. Now, I am not a mother, clearly. Um, not yet. And a lot of us, like, uh, not yet. No, but a lot of us aren't. And one of the things are the women that were in the film industry, that they had to come forward and they felt like the person who was going to get on the defense you know they they felt like on the defense instead of the offense and that's what this hashtag has really started i i i think but I think so too yeah it, it puts them on the offense as opposed to the defense and as a person who loves sports i can i can guarantee you that there is a certain power with being on the offensive side and this is hopefully what we will see and on sunday we hopefully will figure out <laughs> what, like when the women go up to accept their awards, because there hopefully will be many more of them, but even that alone takes a stand. Absolutely. I'm expecting some pretty powerful acceptance speeches on Sunday night. And in the industry itself, yeah, it's, ki it's kind of like, what are you going to do to keep your job? Right. Men, women, whoever have gone through this, and there have actually been... With with the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, this is the one of the first Oscars that who knows uh, who will be in attendance in that regard. Right. Yeah, I had heard um, last year's Best Actor winner Casey Affleck. Usually, yes. as tradition goes, um, the Best Actor winner from the previous year presents the Best Actress award, and vice versa with the Best Actress presenting to the Best Actor. Mm -hmm. But um, since Casey Affleck has been under fire for sexual. Yeah. For sexual misconduct and stuff. Um, he actually opted out of coming to this year's Oscars. So there's already one vacant seat from him. So it's interesting. What do you guys think about that, him leaving? The Oscars are not going at all. Well, I mean, last year when he won, I remember Brie Larson was presented to him because she had won for Room two years previously. And when she presented the award, she looked, reading her body language, you could tell she wasn't particularly thrilled with it. And... It's just interesting to see what a difference a year has made. Right. I I think it's uh I really hope it go, it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh mm -hmm. but I I think it's kind of like a it's it's like you're acting like a coward. Like if you just mm -hmm. don't show up at all, it kind of shows that you have something to hide. Mm -hmm. But at this point it's kind of like mm, I think it's just the best idea that you stay home and not, you know, show up for this. Yeah, you know. 
it's kind of a lose-lose, but they put themselves in this situation, so we can't feel too bad for these men. That is very true. And when we come back here on MSU Newsroom, what we are going to do is listen to a sit-down conversation with Professor Susan Skoog, conducted by our very own Harap Patel, with a prediction on what could happen on Sunday. We'll be right back after this. We are back here with MSU Newsroom on 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair, New Jersey. And uh, Haral Patel, she sat down with Susan Skoog earlier this week. And uh, here are our predictions for the Oscars on Sunday. Haral, what was it like um, talking to a professor here about that? I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I did ask her questions like how the whole Me Too movement is, the how the whole Me Too movement is affects actors and actresses in Hollywood and how that whole movement is going to turn out during the Oscars. And she really did make a lot of good points. She knows her stuff. (laughs) I can definitely say that. She definitely talked more about the industry and how it works and how the Me me, me, Too, I can't talk to him, (laughs) (laughs) how the Me Too movement is playing right now and it's growing and it's is becoming something, and it can change. Okay, well, with that being said, thank you so much, Haral. We are going to play her interview with Professor Susan Skoog. I'm Haral Patel, and I'm here in Moorhead Hall with Professor Susan Skoog, who is a film professor here at Montclair State University. So, Professor Skoog, I know the Oscars are coming up, and the Me Too movement has been nonstop updating on social media. How can this affect the actors and actresses in Hollywood? Um, Well, the Me Too movement has caused quite a seismic shift in the industry, I think, and it started with Harvey Weinstein, um, a lot of women, particularly uh, Mira Sorvino and um, Ashley Judd coming forward and talking about what Harvey Weinstein had done to them, which uncovered and unleashed this uh, movement, which is really quite powerful and is changing the industry. And I think what's difficult for women particularly um, actresses, is that when you're working in the entertainment industry, it's essentially everyone's just freelance. So mm-hmm. there's no human resources department. There's really nowhere to go. And people um, want to get parts and they want to get, um, you know, and you get parts by people liking you. And so if you, if, if someone like a Harvey Weinstein approaches you and propositions you and you say no, he won't hire you. And then as it turned out with an actress like Mira Sorvino, he went around telling other directors and you know other directors and studios don't hire her because he he had apparently come to her apartment and I guess tried to assault her and she rejected him um, and this is a woman who had won an Oscar in the mid 90s for best supporting actress and um, for I think the film was Mighty Aphrodite and she never really worked much after that and everybody thought it was really strange and then it came out that yeah how Harvey Weinstein did in fact go and complain about her that she was difficult and whatnot so it can really derail careers and and there's really not you know but what's happening now is that I think a lot of women um, and men too are coming forward and talking about this. And I think part of what has happened is the advent of social media and that people can share their stories. And when there's a large, large 
number of people who have similar stories. There's power in numbers, and I think that that's what's changed. In terms of the Oscar awards that are coming, um, I'm not sure how the specific effect on the um, the nominations. I know that I think Chris, well Christopher Plummer was nominated for All the Money in the World, and he replaced Kevin Spacey at the last minute. The film was finished. Ridley Scott was the director, and the film was finished. And I guess in, it was set, set for release um, around Christmas time. And then when the Kevin Spacey accusations came forward, um, Ridley Scott decided to reshoot Kevin Spacey's role and recast it with Christopher Plummer. Now Christopher Plummer went and worked for like two or three days, and you know delivered this wonderful performance, and now he got nominated. So I'm not sure if Academy voters were voting for Christopher Plummer because he, you know, he he was this kind of hero who came in and and replaced Kevin Spacey, or if it's just the quality of his performance. Although he is an iconic film, you know, film actor, and he's amazing. And I'm sure, you know, I don't want to dilute or his performance or his nomination, but you know, but there are other actors who, like James Franco, some accusations came out about him after the Golden Globes. Now he won Best Actor for the Golden Globes for the the, um, the artist. So, but James Franco won, and he and he didn't get nominated. So now some people say that's because the kind of role it was was this kind of um, imitation of a, of a person. It was and it was comedic, which aren't always you know roles that are nominated for Oscars. So it could be that. But one one definite effect was that Casey Affleck, who won last year for Ma- uh, Manchester by the Sea, is not going to be presenting this year. And traditionally the uh, lead actor who won one year the following year then they present to the lead actress the the next year and so Casey Affleck there was a lot of accusations about him um, that came forward after he won and um, so anyway he has um, bowed out and will not appear at the telecast. I know you mentioned a lot of actresses who came out as being sexual harassed by the people who signed them. When they came out and let's say they're trying to go for like another industry what are the likely of them getting the job? Like, is being sexual harassed going to affect them? I did a panel about Me Too in January with an event called Behind the Screen that we do with the Montclair Film Festival. And I did a panel, and we had one of the... um, and we had an actress named Catherine Rossiter who starred on Broadway with Dustin Hoffman. And she came forward recently describing her experiences with Dustin Hoffman, where he was backstage for like a year and a half fondling her. And he was a big star, and she couldn't really say anything. And this was in the mid-'80s, so this is quite a while ago. And she's went on to have a career as a character actress working in television and theater in New York. And she didn't come forward until now because she was concerned that, you know, no one would believe her. And, of course, no one did. And then when she did come forward and she went to The Hollywood Reporter, they investigated her, and they, of course, went to Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin Hoffman's lawyer started attacking her and saying that, you know, they were going to sue her and all this stuff. And it turns out there was a few other women that also had experiences with Dustin Hoffman. So once one person comes forward and starts telling the tale, then more people hear about it and they come forward. And I think, like I said before, before. I think it's there's power in numbers, you know. But in terms of like getting another role, I mean, I think it does damage women. It does hurt their psyche. It makes them feel that if you don't put out, will you not be able to work, you know? And it, that's a really tough thing, you know. Especially when you're in an industry that's a creative industry, and there is such a thing as 
like creative license. And a lot of times, you know, actors or directors or writers or whatever will say, well, I have to be, I have to tell dirty jokes because I'm a writer and I'm supposed to be funny. And so I'm going to tell jokes in a writer's room that, that may make you uncomfortable. But if that's, you know, the creative license, that that's the atmosphere that I work in. And therefore, if you can't handle it, you know, deal with it. But I think what's interesting now is that I think it's all changing. For WMSC, I'm Haral Patel. Thank you so much, Haral, for that. <laughs> I didn't cut you off. Like, I'm Haral Patel, and we're back. Um, so for all of you who heard from a professor here and her stance, and she had mentioned how Christopher Plummer took over for Kevin Spacey, and you um, had said something during this break, Rob, about that. Yeah, I was just thinking um, how while we've been speaking a lot about Hollywood and the effects of the Me Too movement on like the film and television industry, I think it's really important to remember that it's not an issue that's solely facing the entertainment industry. Um, men and women... In all professions, and all jobs, this is something that so many people are dealing with. And it's it might seem easier to just say, oh, well, that's what happens to these movie stars and stuff. But this is something that's affecting a lot of people. This is like a huge problem in the society. And I think it's important to remember that it's not just for like film. This is This is happening across the board in almost every career. Right. And just to recap, in the last hour here on MSU Newsroom, uh, we had Tina do an amazing piece on a student who was uh, date raped and it was very an, a very emotional experience to listen to that. So thank you very much, Tina, for thank that. Thank you for airing it. Yeah, no problem. It, it's very important, like Rob just said, to acknowledge that it's not just one specific uh, industry. Yeah. That this all started, remember, with uh, Melissa Milano and uh, the in 2017, October, October of this past year, where we first saw those allegations from Harvey Weinstein. But then Alyssa Milano uh, used Twitter, used social media to go in there and really open up the floor for all these women. And then from there, it was just a, like you had mentioned, um, a domino effect. Yeah, it's crazy to point. think it's crazy to think that it's only been about five months since that happened with all these dames and accusations that come out. It seems like it's been going on for. Well, I mean. The problems have been going on for years, but it's interesting that it's just been in the spotlight for this short period of time, but it feels so relevant. Exactly. But you know what? This encouraged, you know, so many people to speak out, which is great. And, you know, maybe Dr. Nasser would have still been, you know, doing this to people. You know, You're I'm totally glad right. it's still going. I'm glad that people are still continuing to speak out. Oh, certainly. And that is the... um. That was the doctor of Team USA uh, Gymnastics, just so you guys know who that is. Um, yeah. That just goes to prove that this can happen literally in any environment, any... Uh, uh, yeah, it's not just the media or Hollywood or anything like that. And just so you guys, like, remember, this can happen to, like, literally anyone and... It could be the person that you trust the most. It's not necessarily always a person in power. It could be literally your your best friend. I, I don't know. Just yeah. Right, and that's the most important thing is to remember all of those and keep all of those in mind. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today for Newsroom. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you, guys. For thank us. you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Bye. You're welcome. And one of the things that we will be keeping up with here on this lovely radio station is the Oscars on Sunday that will air and we will be live tweeting with the news team and really digging into what is going on in society and we'll see who wins musical performances 
And, of course, with the hashtag MeToo movement, this has been MSU Newsroom on 90.3 WMSE Upper Montclair. But I said that a little bit too early. That's fine. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to all of these brave survivors talking about their experiences. And what happens on Sunday, we will let you know. That is our job here on the news team on 90.3 WMSE Upper Montclair, New Jersey. Thank you so much for listening. This has been MSU Newsroom. This has been an episode of the MSU Newsroom.